Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. Hi, how are you, buddy? I'm well. You you are in um, California. You flew out. I mean, that's the type of hitter you are. You went out to watch the Rams of uh, Los Angeles play the 49ers of San Francisco. By the way, as you know, I think a lot of people, I think it was week eight that we said the Rams would be in the Super Bowl. So that proved to be a correct prognostication. And Danny did too. You guys nailed that. Um, yeah, it was a great game. It, it was uh, super cool to be able to go to an NFC championship. I went to, um, growing up a Bears fan, I went in 05, guys. Remember the Bears went to the Super Bowl. They beat the Saints of New Orleans at home. It was a snowy day at Soldier Field. And it was an amazing way to watch your team you know, kind of go to that pinnacle. That being said, Mm. the Bears got absolutely destroyed in Miami. It was driving rain. They were playing Peyton Manning's Colts. Do you remember that Devin Hester ran back the opening kickoff? You thought you'd like you were – and that was the best part of the day. Oh, my God. It was a horrible game. So, actually, that was a great lesson. Go to the championship of your team, the NFC or the AFC championship, and then you always have the option. You have the optionality of kind of figuring out whether you want to go to the Super Bowl or not. No, but it was super cool. It was great. All right, guys, let's talk markets here. It is um, it is a sea of green out there today. It is rip-roaring. You and I did a market call, the videos that we do at 11 a.m. Eastern, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursdays. We did it with Carter Braxton Worth this morning. We were talking about, you know, when does this sort of bounce after a couple of days? A really volatile period last week. Uh, we rallied. I think the S&P now is at least 5% off of those lows. Um when do you kind of see exhaustion in this sort of thing? And right now, it is an all-out, like, just blitzkrieg of just, you know, just green. Of, right of bullishness. Well, yeah. so here you go. I mean, in terms of the S&P 500, and we, we talked about this, and this is not Monday morning quarterback to continue the football uh, references, but we said the logical place to stop for the S&P 500 would be those late September, early October lows of around give or take 4300. And if you look, Dan, pretty much pretty much that's where we got down to and we're bouncing. So the next question is, all right, where do we stop on the upside if in fact that's what's going on? And again, it goes back to where we basically traded down to in December of last year, month and a half or so ago. Um, that 4500, actually 4515 if you want to get down to brass tacks. So it's what it's doing here technically, the S and P makes a lot of sense. I think we're gonna get up to forty five hundred, let's call it forty five twenty-five and fail. But as they say, that's what makes markets. But what's going on here? I think it's textbook in terms of technicals. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, it, it's interesting also that the backdrop of this is like a lot of people, as us included, we're very focused on mega cap tech earnings, the relative strength that, that some of those big names that have been really holding up the indices while there was massive corrections or even crashes, you know, um, and dozens, if not hundreds of names in some of these indices. Well, you know, you and I said this, Microsoft, 
you know, and Apple last week kind of did what they needed to do to kind of calm fears a little bit, you know, had the multiples come in a little bit during that time period. Sure. I, I don't think there was like, you know, we're leaving this earnings season and with the guidance that we got where you saw numbers go up in, in any of these companies materially. So valuation is going to remain a thing and visibility is going to remain something that people are going to be focused on, especially as we're really focused on inflation uh, and all the different inputs that go into that and then interest rates, you know. And so to me, those are the things where as we think about Amazon and Google and Facebook and report this week. Massive names, really important. Might one of them really disappoint? Maybe. I, I, I don't know. But I guess based on what we saw last week, the likelihood is that we see some stability relative to now expectations being lowered. And then it gets back to the stuff like like we have this huge period of time between last week's Fed meeting and the March meeting where, you know, the probability CME's Fed tracking tool has what, like over 97% of a 25 basis point hike. Really doesn't come down to interest rates and inflation, guy, and, and where the market should trade over the next few weeks after we get out of earnings. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's exactly right. It's going to be interesting. Amazon, to me, and I think you would agree. Well, maybe not. Maybe maybe you won't agree. But I think it sets up pretty well into earnings, given this tremendous sell-off we've seen um, over the last month and a half, two months. You know, Amazon has been mired in this sort of sideways range, and we're at sort of the lower end of that range. But to answer your specific question. I think it's exactly what it comes down to. And you're right. We're not going to hear again, hopefully, from these geniuses at the Federal Reserve for a while. But what I will say, and I know you know this because we've talked about it, I've thought for you know, a couple of weeks, if not a couple of months, that the twos, tens would get to about 30 basis points yeah. or so. And I got to tell you, if you look out at that landscape, it's getting close. I thought it would happen in the form of sort of one 45, 150 in the two year, 175, 180 in the 10 year. And that's not looking that far from reality here, Dan Nathan. Yeah, no, I mean, that call was really interesting. I, you know, oftentimes you and I like to go back and forth and so we, we do not agree all the time by any means and stuff as it relates to markets. And we usually have, I think, a kind of healthy little back and forth here. And, you know, the first time you started saying, I think the 210 spreads go into like 30 bips or 40 bips, I was like biting my tongue a little bit. And I was thinking the opposite way, how it was going to get there, guy. You know what I mean? But now yeah, that it's yep. going this way, uh, you know, but that, again, you know, why do we talk about things? And, and, and hopefully what you and I are trying to do is talk about it the way dumb stock market and options traders and, and ex-commodities trader like you are, like, like the way we talk about things, because we have no special knowledge as it relates to these things, but we think about them from a standpoint of being important inputs to how we invest or trade, right? And how we kind of offer our commentary. So to me, I, that's been really helpful. I, I mean that sincerely after initially disagreeing with you and then seeing how it's playing out and why it's playing out. Here's what I want to go back to tech for a second, guy. Well, just quickly really, before you say, yeah. you know, we don't have proprietary trading systems or those types no. of things where so many no. other people clearly do. Um, but we, yeah, and I think you make a great point. We don't pretend that we have the answers, but we've been doing collectively, we've been doing it for a long time. And I think we're just helping to, we're, we're guiding people. What's the right thing to be looking at? Why are we looking at these things? Why do, why do we think? They're important, and people make their own decisions, which is exactly the point of all this. Yeah, you know what's really funny? I, I don't know if you, you and I probably talked about this a little bit. It's like 
you know, being a trader and just literally staring at a fact set in Bloomberg machine for like the first 15 years of my career and, and being attached to a desk and living and breathing this stuff, you know, you feel like you have an edge. No one really has an edge unless, you know, unless you have like a heat seeker or something like that guy. But, um, you know, being like a pundit, having to describe this stuff. And before you and I started doing Twitter spaces and our podcast on the tape, you know, the, the, the the CNBC fast money aspect of it was really interesting because you want to be consistent, right? But you also want to reserve the right to change your mind. And that's like the best investors, the best traders I know are the ones who can change their mind on a dime when the information changes or whatever. So, you know, for us, I, I enjoy trying to process it also as a pundit, but using that hat as an investor or trader too. I agree. And look, you know, it's, it's what I've learned the hard way, what I knew prior to doing fast money, but then I'd learned, you know, extraordinarily the, the difficult way is it's, you know, the market has a way of humbling us every single day. And even if you told me the things that were going to happen ahead of time, I probably have a 50, 50 shot at getting market direction, right? So yeah. we're just trying to navigate this. And again, we're just trying to point out some of the things that we see and why they're important, which is why... Right. You know, I think that's why it's important to do these. That's, guy. that's a great segue because one of the things, um, you and I talked about it in one of our spaces last week, Netflix. It was down 25% in one fell swoop on that earnings guidance or that, that guidance as it relates to their subscribers for the current quarter. And, you know, the stock had already come in from 700 just a month or, you know, from November down to almost 500 when it had that 25% gap. And the chart was just a disaster. It came back to that 350 level. There's some good support going back to like mid 2020 or early 2020. But you and I had this specific conversation that that gap, once the stock consolidated for a few days, right above 350, that gap is something that was just dying to be filled. And I can't, I'm, I'm kind of pissed at myself. It, that set up well for like a call spread or something like that. But what did we see? We saw Bill Ackman get, went in there and bought 3 million shares. Then Reed Hastings buys stock. Mm -hmm. um, and look at this thing. It is on its way, what, to 450 and maybe that breakdown level. I drew a line from the high in June of 2020. And there was support, you know, in and around that 475 level. It seems destined to go there, which is another 10 percent, doesn't it? Well, look and look at the look at the volume that was traded over the course of about three or four days. I mean, this is a stock. I don't know, probably trades five million shares a day from I would say the 20th of January. We traded 100, probably traded 130 million shares or so in the course of four days. And. What I like to say all the time, and I think we bottomed out at what three sixty five or something, three sixty six. You know, these are or maybe even lower, Dan. I actually got down lower. to three fifty one. You know, yeah. these are capitulatory moves on big volume, and you know, I and this bounce makes a lot of sense. And this isn't Monday morning quarterback. You know, you talked about it filling that gap. Well, that's exactly what happened. You know what's crazy though about earnings period, and I think this is like important for people who kind of like wonder why we spend so much time talking about some of these earnings is that if Netflix wasn't one of the first big tech media companies to report and give that guidance, if they had like reported the exact same quarter that they did um, last week or a week and a half ago this week with the same guidance in this in exact environment, the stock might have been down 5 7% or something. Like that. Like, granted, the stock might have been a bit lower with the broad market, but we're seeing tons of things rally a little bit here. Um, it, it just... Where you report in the cycle is really interesting too, don't you think? No question about it. I think it's it it's definitely works to the benefit. You there? 
Hello? I don't know if I lost Dan or not. Hopefully I'm still, you can still hear me, but clearly works to the benefit of some companies. And I think it works, obviously it works to the um, detriment of others. And I'll say, you know, some of the banks, hold on, Amanda's texting me right now. Let's just see. I, oh, Amanda says she can hear me, so I will continue to talk. Dan probably got knocked out. But you know, some of these banks, for example, you know, JP Morgan's typically pretty early. A lot of these banks rally on the back of what typically is a good JP Morgan report. And then they subsequently hold get whacked if they come down in line. I think you're back, Dan. Yeah. But I, but I think in terms of. Amanda says she can hear me. I can hear, Guy. You're breaking up a little, Dan. Hey, everybody. Hey, Amanda. That's Amanda hey. Diaz, by the way, our hey, crack producer here. And, but basically, for everything we do, if we didn't have Amanda, we wouldn't have anything, which I'm sure a lot of you people are saying, then get rid of Amanda because we don't want to hear from you anymore. But that's neither here nor there. What I will say, by the way, is another interesting thing. And Carter Worth put out a tweet about this last week. He thought the Sox put in a very tradable bottom and maybe Amanda can put that chart up on the trading spaces and it's coming to fruition obviously today. So Carter's work is really important. We obviously did a market call charts with them a couple hours earlier, um, but you should take a look at that as well. Energy, I think, continues to be a story. I think there's a question, you know, what is in this new work from home environment, what will higher energy prices? You know, I, I can't speak intelligently about how um, the workplace is going to change. I think the workplace has fundamentally changed. But what I will say quickly is um, I think energy continues to be a story that more and more people are starting to get their arms around. And I think energy is going to continue to grind higher. One of the many things the Fed can't control that I think they do be able to control are some of these commodity prices. And, you know, energy, I think, is going to continue to do this grind which obviously is not going to do a lot to help the inflation uh, situation that we're all facing. Dan, are you back with me? But, you know, so I just heard you say on energy, um, are you concerned a little bit about the dollar? The dollar had a week last week, guy. Um, you know, Huge week. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's... Yeah, and I think, no, and I think that's a good point. You know, your, your point being that if the dollar continues to rally, that's going to sort of knock the wind out of this energy trade. And I agree with that. My retort would be, um, I think it just slows down the inevitable. Um, I don't think it kills the energy trade. I just think it slows it down. And we'll see what happens. By the way, and I've said this and I know we've talked about it, but the Olympics are coming up. By the way, uh, for you Fast Money fans, we will be dark for the two weeks of the Olympics, I believe starting this coming Monday. Mm. But what I also will say, and this is something I've said for a while, you know, I think the Chinese have been biding their time in terms of what's going on with Taiwan. By the way, I also think this obviously situation between Russia and Ukraine is not going to get better anytime soon. So you throw on top of all the fundamental reasons the crude's going higher, some of the geopolitical risk out there, and I think you're going to have a really interesting back half of February, Dan. Amanda, I don't know if you see Bill Pulte there. I don't know if Bill wants to come on and sort of say a few things He's always a really interesting voice in terms of what's going on. He looks at this stuff from far more of a 30,000-foot level than, than I do. Oh, and maybe Bill just dropped because he didn't want to be called on. So I'm sorry. Dan, you're back with us. It's difficult to do these things solo, so I'll continue to sort of talk about one of the things I'm seeing. I think in terms of individual stocks, if you look, for example, at a Toll Brothers, if you want to play stock market here, Look, in, and Amanda can put this chart up as well. 
And again, you know, we talked about this. This is not Monday morning quarterback, but I thought there was a real chance for Toll Brothers to trade down to and hold the October 5th low. A lot of stocks bottomed out like October 4th, October 5th. Toll Brothers was one of them before it made a huge move up to 73 or so. So Toll Brothers top bottomed out in early October around 55. Go back and look over the last week or so where Toll Brothers traded down to. Now we're in this bounce phase. So a lot of these things become really interesting trading opportunities. And I'm not suggesting that there's all um, you know clear skies runway ahead, but I do think for trades, there's a lot of opportunity here. I mentioned the levels that I was looking at in terms of the S&P 500. I'll throw another one out there as well because I mention it so often. The Russell, the IWM, obviously we broke through critical support and that came in the form of sort of 205 or so. A lot of people have it more 210. So I think it's natural to see, you know, maybe we go back up and then test that prior support level of 210. So maybe there's some room here in the IWM. But I will say this. I know Mike Wilson from Morgan Stanley has mentioned it. I know Liz Young from SoFi has mentioned it. I think to a certain extent, Tom Lee has mentioned it. I think right now, um, for the short term at least, this is an environment where you should be looking to sell rallies as opposed to buying dips. Now, Dan, I don't know if you're back with us or not. Nope, Dan is still not back with us. So um, I'm not, I don't know what else to say. Maybe Helene can jump in here quickly if she wants to jump in in terms of some of the technicals that I just talked about. And I apologize, folks. Because um, it's such an easier thing to do when we have both of us going back and forth. Um, there is a question. I, I want to say I just saw a question in terms of some of the semiconductors. Have these names traded off enough where they're considered, instead of being you know, high valuation names, have they gotten sort of into valuations that make a little more sense? They're two, to me, that stick out like a sore thumb. I think for a while, Qualcomm has been the name that made sense on valuation. And I think AMD, which is still extended in terms of valuation, might make sense now for the first time in a while. You can make a, you can make a reasonably strong argument that on valuation, a name like AMD makes sense. Amanda's texting me right now. Um, Amanda, yep, you want to bring some people on? Bring them on and let them, because I don't see people requesting. So if there's some speakers out there, jump on in. I think Juicy Trades with a Z has something he or she wants to say. Hey, guys. Um want to say thanks for letting me speak. I actually came into the spaces a, a little bit later. So I kind of missed That's that, cool. what you guys were talking about. What was the question? Um, I don't know. I thought you had a question for me. I apologize. No, I just wanted to hop on. Love what you guys do. I'm a trader. You know, I love to do what I can to add value. Anything, you know, I could do. I mean, I guess you guys are talking about overall markets and sentiment. And Well, so I'll give you a quick one. What are you looking at here? What do you think in terms of this bounce we've seen over the last three or four trading sessions? So for me, I like to see, I like to go from a top-down approach, right? So for me, I go from the SPY and I go for every sector, right? So Friday, we had XLK, which is tech, uh, basically put in what I call a reversal. We're going to outside on the daily. So I'm all tech, Mm -hmm. right? Um, XLE is looking strong. Energy stocks are looking good. We got XOM reporting. For me, I got long Friday. Um... 450 calls, February 18th, ticker SPY. Still holding that 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 particular position, and I'm going to hold it until we get to 460. Now, me personally, I'm not a really a fundamental guy. I'm purely a technical guy. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of back and forth right now with fundamentals. Fed, that's not what I do. The chart triggers me. Like, I have a level where I buy based off a certain strategy, off based off the chart. I'm getting in. doesn't matter, right? So, right now, I'm holding SPY. I do have shares of Tesla, which... 
not shares. I have um Tesla 950 calls, which I bought right at 9:35 of five minute strategy. I'm looking to get long semis. SMH is looking good off the weekly charts. NVDA. I'm stalking this thing right now. If we can get above 241, looking to actually put size onto a play. But I think the market's actually going to reverse. Right? How much higher can we go? I'm targeting 460 uh, on SPY, and I think Wayne Bolt will rise all tides. So for me, it's more of forget the noise and pay attention to what the chart's doing. And right now, the chart's are saying we're going to reverse. I appreciate that, and I'm, th- I'm glad you were able to come on. And I think we have a similar view in terms of where the S&P can go. I just think when we get there, we might fail. I think Tom Sweeney has joined us as well. Obviously, Tom being one of the premier counselors <laughs> attorneys in that Philadelphia region. Um, <laughs> I'm worried about your Sixer squad. I'm clearly worried about our Georgetown University basketball program, which has fallen on extraordinarily hard times. What's going on, Tom? Well, it's it's a bad it's a bad sign when my wife and daughters want to go to the Georgetown Providence game on Sunday, and I'm sort of like, oh, I'm not so sure I want to do that. But yeah, well, uh, guy, I want to ask you, in light of the fact that the Olympics are coming up, we've seen a lot of you know pullback in a lot of those uh, Chinese stocks because of some of the. Um, you know, the problems yeah. with, you know, the People's Republic and their uh, devotion to the capital markets. How do you see um, sort of that two week period in terms of whether whether it uh, softens some of the turbulence that we've seen out of there or um, while you're while you're taking your two week hiatus from CNBC? Is this still um, the separation between what's going on with those publicly traded companies like Alibaba. Yeah, and- that's a great, and you know, it's interesting, Tom, and I know you know this, but we've been talking about it for a while. So if you go back, Alibaba, I think, made an all-time high around Halloween. I want to say Halloween of 2020 or so, north of $310. And since then, it's been upper left, lower right. But along yeah. the way, and I know you watch Fast Money, so you know this, you know, we've tried mm-hmm. to point out somewhat successfully, sometimes not so much, You've had some counter-trend bounces that have been pretty epic if you go back and look, at least six or seven of them. And I think we just got through another one. If you look, I mean, that stock basically, I think, bottomed out around 108 or so. And then we <laughs> traded up to recently, I think we traded up to 130, I want to say 136 or thereabouts. So there have been maybe 137. So these counter-trend rallies have been strong. To answer your question specifically, I do think there's going to be a, be a period of, for lack of a better word, detente during the Olympics where you're not going to get a lot of negative rhetoric in terms of these stocks. But I think it's going to get ramped up post-Olympics in a major way on both the China-Taiwan front and the, and the, and the uh, Russia-Ukraine front. And I think that's going to add to the volatility we're already seeing in equities. And I also think it's going to add to the volatility and the move higher in some of these commodity names. You could see a situation, you know, Dan – asked me before was I concerned about a stronger dollar in terms of commodities you know you might be on the verge of something where you see the dollar go higher in, in the ter- in the form of a flight to quality and commodities go higher as well given some of the geopolitical risks so I think Alibaba I think you're looking for another entry point um, I don't know if it's going to get back to that sort of 105 level but it gets down to the low you know 110s to 115 i think you buy it again for a trade into this period of time tom and i hope that answers your question dayton is an sfs word good job guy thanks i appreciate that although i did not go to school foreign service but well nor did i nor did i who else we got amanda i'm trying to try to um 
bring some people in. I think Glizzy is hey. one to speak. Glizzy McGuire. I think you've been on before. You got yes. all the watches, right? Yeah, I appreciate you remembering. How's everyone doing? Uh, thanks for hop- letting me hop on. And, and just like Tom Sweeney, I as well am a uh, Philadelphia area, so Sixers fan through and through. Uh, big, big betting tip tonight. They're playing the Grizzlies, and without Embiid, I would stay away from the game. Just a I little like side that. Note. I like what you just did there, dropping some sports knowledge on. By the way, I don't know if the Sixers, I love his game. I just don't know if they're winning with him. I don't know. They might have to break it down again. I mean, well, that window might have closed in Philadelphia. I think, like like you just said, we need a closer. And I think in the playoffs, it comes down to um, a shooting guard or a point guard that can have the ball in their hands. So I agree. We need someone besides Joel to close games. Right on. But um, in regards to kind of what you guys were talking about on Friday on Fast Money, I wanted to um talk about that real quick carter worth had a a, some real good charts that he was showing on friday i'm not sure if it was options activity or actual fast money but it was in regards to the semiconductors and he was drawing comparisons to the semis and you know showing them in comparison to the s&p 500 and it seems as though that the semis are in a place where they're kind of controlling the the rhetoric of the market i just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that and and if you had any specific semi plays that you're liking guy Think, so NVIDIA, I think, has sold off enough where you could definitely buy it for a trade. I mentioned Qualcomm earlier. I don't know if you were with us, but I think Qualcomm on valuation is extraordinarily compelling. I think Texas Instruments has always been expensive, so I'd rather be a seller of rallies in Texan. But to answer your question, you know, Carter put out on Twitter, and he must have mentioned it on Friday's show that I missed, that you know the Sox traded down to a level of support, and he was expecting a pretty significant bounce. And you were going to see an outperformance in the Sox uh, versus the S&P. And I think that's where we're in the midst of now. So Carter does extraordinarily thoughtful work. If you look at the sell-off in some of these names, you know they're down to levels that make sense. I'll throw AMD in there as well in terms of a name I think you can trade from the long side. I don't know. Again, I'll just say this. I think the Sox bounce can continue. I'm not sure how long this S&P 500 bounce can continue. I think you got another 30 handles or so before it starts to exhaust itself um i think we have time for one more amanda then we got a five thousand. thanks guy appreciate it all right man i think sarbjeet are you here yes sir i'm here actually what's up what are you doing dog (laughs) i'm just cruising along with the market uh quick question actually guy thanks i I love the show i love what you guys do and um yeah Uh, my question is this. This is sort of that caught me in my mind about the, the money is global, right? It can move at the speed of light from China to here, Japan to here. But the rates are local for the economies and their their policies are local. Um, how, how do you guys sort through that sort of um, mechanism, if you will? I had DD and it crushed me because yeah. China wanted DD to delist from US. And how do you well there's a lot of different questions embedded in that i mean you're talking about the speed with which things move velocity of money as opposed to what it means for individual names and how do we deal with it you know i think one of the by the way not to get too in the weeds here but i think one of the reasons that bitcoin was born was exactly some of the things you're talking about you know this concern that central banks have run amok gotten out of control have inserted themselves too much in terms of what's happening with underlying currencies for these countries. You know, what's funny, it's actually not funny. It's sort of, to me, it's really heartbreaking that 
although the mantras of certain companies, specifically the United States for decades, if not longer, has been this strong dollar policy. But, you know, quite frankly, if you really ask them behind closed doors, they want anything but a strong dollar. Because, again, the weaker our dollar is, the more competitive our goods are overseas. And I think that stands true for a lot of countries. So you've had global central banks in this race to zero where everybody's trying to devalue their currency. And you have to ask yourself, you know, who in the long run wins? Well, I think that's why crypto was born. In terms of, you know, China specifically, you know, I think what we've learned there is, um, you know, we socialize losses and we we basically um, capitalize gains here in this country. So, we, you know, capitalism works when things are going well, but when things go poorly, we socialize it. And that's not capitalism, you know. And again, I'm not waving the flag, but what's what I find fascinating over the last couple months, if not longer, in China specifically, you've seen an environment where they say, you know what, if companies are going to fail, that's what's going to happen. They've allowed corporate Darwinism to take hold, which I think is really, really interesting. What does it mean for the stocks? Well, they've been all taken out to the woodshed. You heard me answer Tom's question earlier about what I thought of some of these names. You've seen counter trend bounces, and I think you're going to have this two week period where it's going to be very quiet in terms of negative news. But I think post-Olympics, um, unfortunately, I think you're going to see some of this rhetoric get ratcheted up. And I don't think it's going to be particularly bullish for either Chinese stocks listed, you know, Chinese stocks listed here or the broader market uh, overall. Anyway, I hope that answers your question. And since I don't want to, you know, take over too much and I get tired of hearing myself think, I will say this to Chris Moore, who just joined. The Rangers finished their first half. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. They finish um, this segment of the season heading into the All-Star break on a huge run. little, some slippage over the last couple of games, but they squeaked one out yesterday at home against Seattle. The Florida game tomorrow night is going to be fascinating as two of the premier teams in the NHL take the ice. Um, see what you can do without Fox. Get them back post-All-Star break. Love what the Rangers are looking like. I know they're going to make some moves. The Mets continue to dominate December and January, but baseball is not played during those months for you Mets fans out there. And I love what the Giants are doing. And I will say again, if anybody from the Giant uh, front office is listening, two names, you focus on two names, Tyler Linderbaum and Evan Neal. Those are your guys. Do not trade those picks. With that, I want to thank CME for sponsoring our trading spaces. Dan Nathan could not make it in. I guess the technology out in California, oddly enough, uh, is not working. Somewhat counterintuitive. Tune in for On the Tape drops each Friday. We had a great episode last week. At least I thought it was a great episode. By the way, Danny Moses continues to crush it. I want to thank you folks for joining us. We will be back again at 1 o'clock this Wednesday when I believe, folks, the calendar will move from January to February 2nd. Have a great afternoon.